Well, praise the Lord, everyone. It is so good to be with you this evening. Thank God for the opportunity to be in the land of the living another day and an opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you as we begin to partake in this evening's Bible study. On the behalf of Pastor Ursher, we want to greet uh, you all out there that are viewing this Bible study, uh, this service tonight. We thank you for your attendance and participation tonight uh, and for all that you're doing for the kingdom. If you are a guest uh, to our service tonight, we want to certainly invite you in to attend our Sunday services, uh, uh, Sunday mornings at 1030. Uh, we invite you to come and make the Tree of Life your home that day. And if you feel a connection and you feel prompted of the Lord, we want you to make it your permanent residence. So we truly thank God for, for your presence here today. Uh, we want to begin to take a look at the word of the Lord here shortly. I'm going to share a lesson with you. It's, it's something that is, is near and due to my heart that uh, it's a part of a curriculum. It's part of a curriculum. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, our pastor and just uh, the teaching, he is walking us through the Bible uh, in such an amazing uh, presentation. And it is really confirming and reconfirming a lot of things that we're looking at uh, in our private devotions, a lot of things that we're looking at in our Christian fellowship conversations. It's like God knows exactly where we are, exactly what we're talking about, uh, and exactly what we're needing from his word. And I love the way the Lord does that. And so tonight I'm hoping that, that we're able to receive something from this particular curriculum I'm going to share with you here shortly. Uh, reason being, reason being, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this as brief as I possibly can, because uh, y'all know how much um, I do not love talking. <laughs> so I'll make it as brief as I possibly can. But um, we were having a conversation a couple of days ago regarding uh, the importance of, of knowing your target and knowing where you're leading a person. And this is why home Bible studies and using an established curriculum is near and dear to my heart. Uh, reason being that, that you know where you're beginning and you know where you're ending. You know what you're sharing and you know what they are receiving. And oftentimes, and there are those moments when they're sp more spontaneous than, than anything else where you start a conversation with somebody or, or you have that conversation on a continuous basis where you're able to, to leave a little here, a little there, and, and, and kind of figure out some things, you know, as, as time moves forward. Uh, well, you know, when you're using a curriculum, you're sort of removing that element. And this is what makes us, uh, as home Bible study teachers, really effective. Because when we're starting with a curriculum and ending with a curriculum, no, we know exactly what we're, we're laying down and we know where we're going, where we're going with that. So I really appreciate that. So the study we're going to be looking into tonight uh, is a study that we've been teaching here often on uh, for a good many years now. It's a study entitled Salvation Made Simple. Now, Salvation Made Simple is a four-lesson series. It was written by Pastor James Jackson, uh, First UPC, First United Pentecostal Church there in San Antonio, Texas, a friend of mine uh, and someone that passed his Bible study along to me. I've purchased it I don't know how many times through the years, and it has been very, very, very great uh, and very extensive, too, and blessed a lot of people in our times of sharing. Uh, many of the places that we have been, my, my wife and I, uh, Korea, uh, certainly— um, 
New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, various places I've worked uh, in the government, teaching the same lesson, teaching the same lesson. So uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to bring some things out to you that I hope will be a blessing to you. In fact, I know they will because it's, it's coming from the Word of God. So let's go before the Lord in prayer at this time, if you will join me. Father, we thank you this evening. We thank you for your, your blessings, Father. We thank you for the outpouring of your Spirit. Thank you for allowing us, Father, to be in a position now, Father, to see the things that we're seeing, God, concerning your kingdom, to witness the things, to experience the things, Father, that you're allowing us, Lord God, to be exposed to. We pray your blessings, Father, tonight, Lord God, upon our pastor, Father, who's ministering out of town. We pray, Lord God, that you would anoint that service, anoint Pastor Urson, Sister Urson, Father, God, as they continue, Lord God, to teach, to preach, and to minister your word. And we pray, Father, continually, Lord God, for the Ready Now Project, Father, as the land is being expanded. We thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be, Father, a part of this great revival uh, and all that we're seeing in this day. Now, Father, we ask God that you would give clarity. We ask, Father, that you would anoint this time that we spend together. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. I want you now to look at the person in the room next to you, and I want you to say to them, the word of God matters. The word of God matters. The word of God matters. We're going to look to something tonight um, in this lesson one of this series entitled Salvation Made Simple, and it's called the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, uh, the Bible uh, and the word of the Lord begins to tell us exactly what occurs when we are receiving the word of God. And I don't know how many of y'all have ever, ever thought about that, but I, I want you to know something. that something occurs every time we receive the word of God. Uh, James puts it uh, in a uh, James 1 uh, in this fashion that we would receive the word with meekness, that engrafted word with meekness that is able to save our soul. So something is working uh, itself out in us, out in our understanding, is working itself out in the way that we process the word of God, is working itself out in the way that we allow the word to begin to penetrate our heart. That is a decision that we make. Uh, so a parable uh, begins to establish, in this lesson tonight, a parable begins to establish something that's important for us to take a look at regarding the word of God. And as you know, and we've talked about, and certainly pastors have taught us, that, that Jesus taught in parables because he wanted his audience to, to understand what he was saying. It wasn't like he used nuclear uh, physics or or something beyond their their ability to understand uh, it would be beyond my ability to understand too. Coincidentally, just want you to know that, right? But it would help them to understand exactly what he meant. Uh, for instance, uh, in lesson two of this study, which I won't get to tonight, but I certainly will mention this. And the reason I love the teaching of parables regarding the ministry of the Lord, uh, because in Revelations chapter seven, around verse thirteen, the Bible says uh, to to John is being recorded there that what are these that are arrayed or who are these that are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And then he said to them, Thou knowest that these are they that came out of great tribulation and have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. That's rather interesting to me uh, in lesson two, which we will get to maybe sometime. Uh, but he tells us very specifically that these that came out of great tribulation have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, now, as we look at how that is so important or why that is so important, because they came out of great tribulation and have made their robes white in the blood of the lamb, is because the only way to make our robes white is in the blood of the lamb. And the only way to have the blood of the lamb of God, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, where the Lord
Lord said himself in Matthew 26, verse 28, that this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Uh, and that word remissions mean the forgiveness of sins. The only way to have his blood applied up on our lives or to make our robes white in the blood is to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. And I like that, and I'm going to read this one parable to you before we get into tonight's curriculum, our content. Uh, I want to read this one parable to you for this for this reason, because the Word of God is and right. The Word of God is important. In Matthew chapter 22, the Bible reads in verse 1, it says this, And Jesus answered and spake unto them, Again, by parables, and he said, he said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth the servants to call them that were bidding to the wedding, and they would not come. Imagine that. You know, you're, you're invited to a fellowship, to a wedding, to a, a banquet feast, and, and they would not come. Well, here's why. And it, you may see some similarities in this. He says, uh, but they would not come. And he says, he sent forth the servants and called them but they would not come. And again, in verse four, he says, again, he sent forth his other servants saying, tell them which were bidding, behold, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattening are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. So here's this wonderful, wonderful invitation. And, and, and obviously like, like us, man, this, this is a parable, but what a parable is, it is an analogy or an earthly story, but with a spiritual truth to it. So this invitation that we're reading about in this parable, the Lord wants us to understand and his audience to understand that this is an invitation to the kingdom of heaven. This is an invitation to glory, to spend forever and ever in the presence of the Lord not dealing with this flesh, dealing with this world, uh, certainly not dealing with this pandemic. And, and here is their response, even in a time of tribulation, their own selves under Roman rule. Here is their response in verse five, but they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took a service and treated them spitefully and slew them. Uh, one passage of scripture, and I believe it's in the book of Luke. Luke says, the other guy said that I've, I've married a wife. So he's, his excuse was, man, y'all better understand this. I just got married. And so he would not come. But notice what continued to happen. He says, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them to the marriage. Now, now here's what's exciting to me. Reason being, okay, is that that is kind of the role of responsibility that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in this responsibility or in this role as God has delegated this to us to go into the land and to bid people to come unto this marriage. I'm already into another lesson, but it's okay to bid them to this marriage. And, and they're going into the land. Those who were initially invited, you know, how sometimes, you know, maybe it's members of our community, maybe it's mem members of our culture, maybe it's members of our ethnic ethnicity group. But they refuse to come. They refuse to uh, say yes to the invitation. And so Jesus says, you go into the lanes, go into the hedges and highways, and you bid those to come, both bad and good. And here's what they did. He says, go therefore into the highways, and as many as you find, bid them to the marriage. So his servants went out into the highways, and they gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Let's pause right there for a second. Because there are people that we would almost disqualify uh, in a sense of, of 
looking like they want nothing to do with the Lord. And so we would take the approach of, now nah, I'm not going to talk to them. Uh, they don't even seem approachable. or They don't even seem like they're, they're ready to receive the Lord or the Lord. And the reason we're doing that is because we are perceiving things in our natural eyes. I, I was having a conversation with, with Brother Jones, and Brother Jones, if you're watching this, we're looking forward to picking you up at the airport here, <laughs> dropping a heavy hint in a few days. But we were having a conversation, and, and something that we were, we were sharing with one another is most times that when we approach people about, about the gospel, approach people about uh, understanding the love of God, approach people about making a yes decision for the Lord, we do so by what we perceive as opposed to what we discern. And this is why our prayer life is, is so very powerful, because oftentimes you would look at somebody and you either devaluate them or eliminate them from, from the equation based upon what you see or perceive with your natural eye, as opposed to how God is dealing, dealing with that person. Uh, Chris Taylor is a good friend of mine in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I won't mention the individual's name, but it was a brother that that uh, uh, they dropped off to a, a, a rehabilitation program uh, some time ago, and this brother's got excited. He is now uh, one of the leaders there at this facility, uh, a phenomenal turnaround, life turnaround, but it didn't start that way. It started with somebody in need, somebody in need, and, and what he did, he did not allow his natural eye or his perception to, to disqualify this person from receiving the gospel because both the bad and the good always deserve an opportunity to hear. I, I, I hope you're saying amen out there. I'm looking at you now. I'm already into another lesson, but I hope you're saying amen out there uh, because both the bad and the good deserve an opportunity to hear. Both the married and the divorced, both the single and those that are old and those that are young, uh, those that are incarcerated. I'm already into another the lesson, those that are in hospital beds, those that are in nursing homes, those that are in senior assisted uh, living centers, they all deserve an opportunity to receive of the gospel. And, and we are never in a position uh, to tell somebody that, that I do not have the time. And we are never in a position to look at somebody and tell them they do not qualify to hear what the Lord wants them to hear. Because there's a blessing that God wants to release to them, and it's going to come through them receiving of the word of God. And here's what's powerful. I was even sharing with a, a Bible study. I was a Bible study I was sharing with my neighbors on yesterday, is that it didn't start off this way for many of us. And I was sharing with them my time and my pursuit of, of understanding, so to speak. Uh, I spent some time, I've shared maybe this before, but I spent some time uh, uh, worshiping with my father at a very young age before uh, he just, his, his health began to fade and he was no longer a part of our lives. And, but as he was, you know, healthy, he would take us to Islamic mosque in Pittsburgh and, and we would be there. And then, um, you know, my mother, you know, when his health faded and, you know, he was no longer around, you know, uh, my mother, you know, took us back to the uh, Emmanuel Church of God in Christ there in Steubenville, Ohio. And I can remember joining the military in 1982. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the infantry. I reclassified out the infantry. And I'm in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, going through class. And I ran into some brothers from Chicago. 
Okay. Um, and, and they got me to go into church with them. I'm attending services with them. And, and while I was in that environment, exposed to these brothers and I'm going to church with them, man, it was like, I'm reliving my childhood, you know, and the worship was strong. The praise was strong. Uh, and then when those brothers went back to their duty station, I went back to my duty station that the influence of those individuals, it began to fade in my life. My enthusiasm, you'll see this in a second, begin to fade in my life, you know, and my experience with God, my commitment to God, at that level, it died. It died. Uh, going back, actually back before that, I can remember in high school uh, that my mother, you know, I'm sharing the story because I've told it so many times, but my mother, my senior year in high school said, Fazel, you're going to go to church with me. You're going to play football. You're going to go to church with me. And, and she wanted me to attend a survival service with her uh, heading into my senior year uh, uh, doing football camp. And I said, Mom, I, I, I'll go. And I went every night with her. And this one particular night, this minister, I think he was from Detroit, he preached this message, had me thinking the Lord was coming back. Time I stepped out the door and I just sat there in the pew and I just wept and I just cried. I, I was really impacted, you know, uh, uh, and I begin to live off of that experience. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you this, that what made the difference was when I came into faith or came into truth through the apostolic doctrine and experienced the Pentecost, the outpouring of the spirit of God, when I experienced the Holy Ghost in my life, that that begin to change. That begin to change. Why am I saying that? Because the Bible tells us here, okay, so when his servants went forth, they went forth and they didn't disqualify anybody. They went forth and that invitation went to everybody. Why? Because once the gospel goes forth and once his word hits the heart of that individual and that heart is right where that heart needs to be, that anticipation, that expectation, that desire for the word of God is right where they need to be. Something happened here. And this parable, the Bible tells us in verse 10, he says, so the servants went out into the highways, gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. And the, the Bible says, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a what? Everybody say he was not dressed right. And I'm not talking about his flip-flops. He could have flip-flops on, okay? It's not the flip-flops. It's not the tank top, okay? But this particular wedding took place in heaven. This particular parable is showing us a blueprint of what many are going to experience on the day when the Lord enters that room. Like Revelation tells us, there are going to be thousand times 10,000 that are there. And they're all going to be, we're all going to be waiting for the Lord to walk in that room. And when the Lord walks in the room, he's not going to be so enamored with how many people that are there. He's not going to be enamored with how many cultures, how many creeds, how many tongues, how many nations, how many ethnicities are there. He's not going to be enamored with that. Okay. But the Bible says very specifically, and he's pointing this out to us for a reason, that he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, a wedding garment. Now, why is that that, that particular uh, uh, to us this evening? The reason that is particular is because in the day and hour that you and I live in, with so many uh, multiple, multiple uh, Christian experiences and churches that are out there, not, not, and, and I thank God for those that are following the blueprint, following the plan of God, but with so many influences that are out there, there, there are those in, in some areas that are not necessarily uh, uh, sticking to the creed, so to speak, or not, not necessarily uh, 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 affirming the doctrine, so to speak. Can, can, can I tell you, right, that all roads do not lead to Rome? I, 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 I wish I had some help here tonight. Uh, we're, I, I wish I had some help here tonight. 
Okay, but many of us are taking this approach as if doctrine does not matter. This experience doesn't matter. Watch what happens here. So the Lord enters the room and he looks over all these wonderful, wonderful people that are there. As I said, every nation, every village, every creed, every tongue. And the Bible says that he doesn't even acknowledge that. But he sees there a person that did not have on a wedding garment. And the Bible says to him, notice this right here in verse 12, the scripture says, and he said unto him, friend, how comest thou here? They're not having on a, a wedding garment. As you and I know, he's not talking about a physical dress. He's not talking about that at all. Because I've never been to a wedding and I wore anything white ever, ever. Now, maybe here in a couple of years, actually next year, when my wife and I renew our vows at 25 years, I'm going to wear a white two-piece uh, walking men's suit. We're going to be remarried, rededicate our vows on the, the beaches of North Shore there in Hawaii. My sister's already invited us over, <laughs> and my wife is going to have on something. And that probably be the only day I come to a wedding wearing white, okay, uh, the only time. But he's not talking about the, the physical attire. He's talking about a place where the blood is represented in our lives. And the only place where the blood is represented in our lives is when we are submerged in water in the name of Jesus. Oh, this is not old. Let me speak to that right now. Okay. That's all you Pentecostals talk about. That's all you apostolics talk about. Let me tell you something. This is not old. This is not old. And, and I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that those of us who have not experienced baptism in Jesus' name will hear this tonight. I pray that every parent, I pray that every, uh, every child would understand the importance of being submerged in Jesus' name. Because if you have the Holy Ghost, okay, and you're not baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to see what this individual here experienced. So this man, the Bible tells us, is there in heaven in this parable. And he's there in heaven and the Lord enters the room. And the Lord says to this man, friend, friend. How comest thou here not having on a wedding garment? First, let me speak to this, okay? The Bible tells us, okay, that is the Holy Ghost. Just to answer the question that you're curious about, how did he get to heaven in the first place? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in 1 Thessalonians, right, that it is the Holy Ghost, that one day that trump is going to sound, and we which are uh, alive, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we which are alive shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that if the spirit that lived in Christ dwells in us, it shall also quicken our mortal bodies. So what that is telling us, it is the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. It is the Spirit of God in us that's going to change us from mortal to immortality, that's going to change these natural bodies to an immortal body, and we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord, and we're going to be there in glory. And we're going to be sitting there participating in His wedding feast, but when the Lord enters the room, He's going to look at several people, several people, and He's going to say to that individual, friend, how did you come here not having on a wedding garment? And at that very moment, at that very moment, every scripture that that brother has ever been taught, every sermon that that sister has ever sat through, every time that child has been warned by their parents, look, you don't need to be playing around. You need to go ahead and repent of your sins, turn your life back to Christ, and you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
every reference to scriptures that reference baptism, every scripture that reference our spiritual circumcision, every scripture that reference the covenant that we enter to with the Lord, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, uh, uh, Matthew 26, uh, uh, Luke chapter 24, every scripture that reference that, all of a sudden, all at once, is going to come back to that individual, and the Bible tells us that he was, look at this scripture here now, he says, how come I start here not having on a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless. Can, can I tell you this here? Okay. I, I, I'm going to sort of embellish the truth. I'm not a huge talker for those of, those of you that, 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 that know me on an on a, a outside, the home Bible study sphere. Okay. I, 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 well, put it this way. I'll just be honest with you. I talk a whole lot. At times, right, I can be a conversationalist. It does not matter. I just, I love people. I love talking, okay? But but can I tell you, right, if there's any time not to be speechless, as if it's going to matter, it's not going to matter, but it's at this moment right here. Because the Bible tells us he was speechless. It was like at that moment, if I could go back, or if this individual in this parable could go back, and, 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 and say yes to being submerged in Jesus' name. Say yes to repenting or say yes to having the blood of Jesus applied or saying yes to having his garments made white in the blood of the lamb. If he could go back and, and do it all over again, can, can I tell you this right here? He would say, wait a minute, don't blow that trumpet just yet. Because uh, the Bible tells us, and I heard one, one, one preacher say that, that when the trumpet sounds, you know, uh, uh, as Corinthian tells us, in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, uh, the eye supposedly twinkles in one forty-fourth of thousands of a second. You're not going to have time to, to change anything. But if he could, he would say, just pause for just a second. Let me find the nearest preacher, the nearest baptistry, the nearest church, and let me have somebody baptize me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because at this moment right here, it was too late. Somebody shout back at me too late. I, I see your kids watching uh, and I want you to explain it to them. I want you to explain it to them because even though we're, we're in transition right now, let me tell you something, we can walk across that dirt right out there as the parking lot's being regraded and, and all the construction is taking place. We can walk across this parking lot, walk across this property right now uh, to our sanctuary, line those up that are receiving this word tonight, and we can baptize you in Jesus' name, providing you repent of your sins. That's number one. Okay, that is the first step that you make. We can baptize you in Jesus' name tonight. Tonight, can I tell you that at that moment in this brother's life or this sister's life, it was too late. It was too late. And this is how we approach life sometimes. We take this passive approach, like all roads lead to Rome, like everything that we do matters, like, like God knows my heart and all these cliches that we hear. You know, where, where God knows that I'm sincere, God should look at my sincerity. Or God knows that I mean well, God should look at my intentions, you know. And you know everything associated with, with good intentions that have certainly been talked about. But, but, but can I tell you, God is looking for you to have trust in him, to have faith in him and what he has said in his word. I, I, I love the fact because when I, I look at this, uh, one of the things that, that I'll, I'll share is my first time uh, experiencing baptism was at the age of 25 years old. 25, I'm a grown man in the military, and I'm attending this revival, and it was in October 1990, shortly before we deployed to the Gulf War, and I was attending Elizabeth Missionary Baptist Church there in Clarksville, Tennessee, and Pastor Cheatham was our pastor. I remember everything, and um, 
Uh, I was attending this revival and they opened the doors of the church. They probably weren't ready for me, but I just went off of what I experienced and what I knew uh, regarding the Christian experience or the Christian faith. So I walked up there to the to the chair that they sat out and 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 the lady asked me, did you come as a candidate of baptism or or something else? He stated to me and I said, no, I, I said, no, ma'am. I said, I come to give my life to the Lord. I'm heading down range. I'm, I'm, I'm heading where real bullets hurt people, real bombs are exploding, nerve gas and everything else. I'm heading down range. So maybe that was a little bit motivator or maybe that's just the time God began to deal with me. And so I went up there and, and, and the following Sunday, uh, I was baptized in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you know? And, and let me tell you something. I had an encounter with God, two friends of mine, Eric Hicklin, Eric, if you're seeing this, bless you, my brother, uh, Tim Holsey, another good friend of mine, Army buddies from way back in 1989. Uh, they came and attended that service with me. But then when we got to Saudi Arabia, I came in contact with a man of God, my spiritual father, Pastor Gary Ellis out of Clarksville, Tennessee, and he was over there teaching on the importance of receiving the Holy Ghost, teaching on the new birth, uh, teaching on the importance of Jesus' name, baptism. Can I tell you that it wasn't in America, uh, it wasn't in Germany, but it was in a desert place in Saudi Arabia where I was rebaptized in Jesus' name. And man, oh boy, I'm here to tell you right now, that experience and the understanding of what I just did concerning the word of God, because I saw where it was reflected and experienced in the word of God. Nowhere in the Bible, and this is alarming to me, nowhere in the Bible had they ever baptized in any other formula other than the name of Jesus Christ. No other name was used other than the name of Jesus Christ. And so when I saw that in scripture, and we submitted and I was baptized. Can I begin to tell you something? My confidence, my confidence in the word of God grew. My confidence in my Christian experience grew. I received the Holy Ghost shortly before I was baptized. And can I tell you, I got excited about that experience. Why? Because I was able to identify it in the word of God. Ooh, glory. I was able to connect with what was written in scripture. So when I obeyed what was written in scripture, that guaranteed me the promise of what's written in scripture and that my sins were being remitted. When I received the Holy Ghost and believed the word of God in scripture and I received the Holy Ghost, that man just increased my confidence in what was written in the word of God. And let me say this to you that are out there right now, not that you're wrestling, not that you're struggling, but let me tell you something, there's power in the word of God. Ooh, Lord have mercy. There's power in the word of God. So when you see something in the word of God, and if there's something that you have a need of, I'm here to tell you right now, believe it. Believe it as a truth. Believe it as a promise from God. And so in this audience, in this parable, the scripture that we're reading tonight, this individual was up there in heaven. He was at the marriage supper of the lamb, but he was not dressed right. He was not dressed right. He was not dressed right. Why? Because he did not have his garments made white in the blood of the lamb. And here's what happened next in the scripture. In verse 13, the scripture says, Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. This is a marriage supper. This was a dedication. This was a commitment. This was an experience that we have to have with the Lord. 
And I know I didn't get to, I wanted to talk to us tonight about this parable, but I don't know who needed to hear this tonight. I don't know who you are, uh, what location you are right now, but I'm going to say this to you, that if you're one I'm speaking to right now, man, woman, boy, or girl, if you're the one I'm speaking to tonight, whether you're a senior, whether you're sitting in a senior citizen's home, whether you're in a hospital, our number here at the church, you can Google us, Tree of Life Church, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. You can Google us, call us, call the church. You can email us. We will make provisions to get you baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. I don't know if you're in Cincinnati. Uh, there have been many viewing from around the world viewing our broadcast. I do not know where you are, but this may be a message that you've heard before. And if you're hearing it tonight, I'm telling you right now, I have my iPad right here with an absolutely totally different lesson prepared to present tonight. But for whatever reason, we were led in this direction tonight. So there is somebody out there right now that's listening to this broadcast and God is dealing with you about having, having your garments made white in the blood of the lamb. Why is that so important? I'm going to tell you this last scripture, present this to you, and then we're going to close in prayer. On the day of Pentecost, and many of you all know it, Jewish celebration, commemorating the receiving of the law, Passover. And here you have on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Scripture tells us then there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody shout all. I don't know whoever else is in your room with you tonight. If you're in a car, if you're in a dining room, if you're in your basement, listen to this broadcast, just say all. And if there's anybody in that room with you that have not received the Holy Ghost, tell them that the Holy Ghost is for you. Tell that person to the right of you, the Holy Ghost is for you. Tell that person sitting category to you that the Holy Ghost is for you. They were all filled, glory, with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Now, obviously, what took place next, we know many of us know the passage of Scripture, that people were accusing them of being drunk uh, and, and other things. And, and, and Peter stood up being a spokesperson that day. And he said, these are not drunk, as he supposed, seen as but the third hour of the day. But this is that. Watch this now. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Where did Peter take them to? Peter took them back to the word, took them back to Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, Old Testament prophet. Okay, where Joel prophesied that one day God was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And it begins to enumerate the number of things that, that we were going to experience that day. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall have visions. And on my daughters and on my handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So he, be, he began to immediately, Peter did, begin immediately to address this fact that they're not drunk. But this is the promise that God said he was going to bring to you glory. They're not drunk, but this is the promise that God said that he was going to bring to you. And so Peter began to explain to them how they, by wicked hands, have crucified the Messiah, crucified the Savior of the world. And many of them were ignorant of their participation in that. Many of them immediately recognized, man, I heard about Jesus. Uh, many of them probably were not there participating to his crucifixion or consenting to his crucifixion. But many of them had heard about the works of 
Jesus and, and the life of Jesus and how he was an innocent man, but, but how that he died, the Messiah died for the, the sins of the whole world. Many of them heard that and they, they're not realizing that what we just witnessed with all this noise, what we just experienced with, all, with the Holy Ghost being poured out now, man, that's what, what the Lord had promised us. And they have taken the Messiah, they have crucified him, they were consenting unto his death. And the Bible tells us in verse 37, that the scripture says, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then here's what Peter said, and here's what I'm saying to you tonight. The Bible tells us in verse 38, then Peter said unto them to repent. Now that's what you do. That's what I do. That's what everybody in this room right now with me, that's what we do. We repent of our sins. What is repentance? It is a change. It is a decision. It is a turnaround. What is repentance? I'm making a life decision. What? To turn away from sin, to turn away from everything God is not pleased with, to turn away from every lifestyle that God is not pleased with. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what you're participating in in life. When you repent, you turn away from everything that you know God is not pleased with. We call that sin. What is sin? It is a transgression of the word of God. Hatred is sin. Drunkenness is sin. You know, there are all kinds of sins that, that, that the human uh, uh, experience has, has identified and the word of God has identified as being something that is unexpected. Unexpected. I'm asking of you, I'm telling of you, if we want to have a relationship with God, we have to, we have to, everybody say repent. We have to repent. Proverbs 28 verse 13 tells us this. It says, if I cover my sins, I'm not going to prosper. But if I confess and forsake my sins, I'm, I shall obtain mercy. Now, if, if, if I wasn't sitting there in front of this camera right now recording this, right, I would just begin to, to stand up and walk around this table and I would face that way standing because that's what it means to go in the opposite direction. And that's what repentance means. First John 1 and 9 tells us if we confess our sins, what is repentance? Repentance is a confession. If we confess our sins, right, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is repentance? Repentance is a change. It is a confession. It is a turning away. So when Peter said repent, he said, listen here, you exercise faith right now. You exercise trust in the word of God right now. You hear the gospel message that I'm preaching, that I'm teaching, that I'm ministering to you. This is what Peter's saying right now. And your first response is, is to repent. And then he said this, and be baptized. Right. Wow. Every, who? Every one of you. Why? That our garments will be made white in the blood of the Lamb. Why are we baptized? We are baptized for the remission of sins. Let me tell you something. It is at that moment. It is at that moment when we repent. That's a decision that we make. But when we submit to being baptized and that preacher, that minister, that bishop, when they submerge us in water in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus called over us, right? It is at that moment where his blood is applied to our lives. His blood is applied to God's record book. And, and no longer did he see you stealing candy from that, that McCory's drugstore when you were little. No longer did he see you cheating on that exam, right? No longer did he see you doing all those, those wrong things uh, uh, that you did in your human experience to the point when you said, Lord, I'm sorry. When you say, Lord, I repent of my sins, I'm asking you to forgive me. At that moment, the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to God's record book. We see this in Revelation 20, verse 12, is applied to God's record book. And no longer do God see us anymore as that sinful individual. Why? The Bible tells us, Romans 6 and 23, for all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. Uh, uh, 3 and 23, 6 and 23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So when we repent, guess what? We made that decision. Look, I know I was wrong. <laughs> I know I was wrong, but when we make that decision to repent, I'm turning. And this is why repentance ought to be a part of our daily lives. It should be a part of our Christian. We don't just repent one time and then we're good to go the rest of our lives. Let me tell you something, you know, I have disagreements. We have diplomatic discussions, Mildred and I. <laughs> we have diplomatic discussions at time, right? Right? In a non-political world, we would call them arguments, but we have diplomatic discussions, right? And, and can I tell you, you know, uh, sometimes she's wrong. <laughs> no, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. And, and I ask Mildred to forgive me. It's called repenting. It should be a part of our daily experience, certainly when we have offended God or transgressed the word of God, even in our relationship with our wives or you wives in the relationship with your husband. It's okay to repent. Matter of fact, I encourage you to. Most of y'all out there right now need to repent anyway, so I'm encouraging you wives right now to just repent right now with Jesus. I'm teasing in Jesus' name. But he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a promise. That is a promise. And when we see what the word of, word of the Lord says regarding our Christian experience and the promise of salvation, let me tell you something. We have no choice but to obey it. We have no choice but to obey it. So if you're out there tonight, you're listening to this broadcast, if you've never made a decision to repent of your sins, if you've never made a decision to be baptized in Jesus' name, even if you have been baptized once, I want to encourage you tonight, if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm inviting you to contact us here at the church and we will make arrangements to, re to receive you. We will celebrate with you. We will teach you and we will baptize you in Jesus name. As according to the word of the Lord in Acts chapter two, verse 38, Acts eight and 16, Acts 10 and 48, Acts 19, one through six, we will baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 22 and 16, when Paul's telling his testimony, we would do that for you today because we believe in you. And if you're willing to repent of your sins, let me tell you something. We're willing to baptize you in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins so that you can put on your wedding garment. Thank you. God bless you. Let's go before the Lord in prayer because I feel that God is dealing with somebody right now that's out there. Father, I thank you right now for that brother, for that sister. I thank you, Father, right now for that person, Lord God, that's responding to your word. That person that's responding, Father, to the gospel, to the gospel message, Father. That person that's responding to the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That person that's responding to the good news. Father, we pray for them right now, Father, for that man, for that woman, for that boy, for that girl. God, that their heart would be encouraged and empowered by your promises. By the promises, Father, that you've made in your world, in your word, God, that they can receive of you tonight. Father, we thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday, 1030.